Welcome to Challenging Paradigm X. My name is Xerxes Washmgear and in my podcast I interview people who challenge the status quo. My guest today is Poonam Balan. Poonam has a diverse background. She was born in Malaysia with Indian Chinese heritage and grew up in Canada. She's worked on different continents in various sectors in various positions. Today, she is the CEO of TechTop, a think new tank. And in our interview, she will share her unique perspective on various topics ranging from the current crisis over purpose, impact, and human capital. So if you're interested in these topics, stay tuned. Hi, I'm Xerxes, and today I'm here with Poonam Balen. I'm happy that you're here, and yeah, please introduce yourself. Who are you? I'm happy to be here too, Xerxes, and it's really quite an effort that you're putting forward to explore the boundaries of human context, so I'm happy to be invited to this podcast. Yeah. If you want to know a little bit about me, I'll go ahead then. I've got tri-identity in a sense. I am of mixed heritage, Chinese-Indian, and they call people like me Chindians, or I don't know if it should be Dinchin or whatever way it should be, but and I was born in Malaysia. And I moved to Canada when I was a teenager, so my tri-identity includes different nationalistic identities as well. And then I came to Europe about a couple of years ago, now about and a half years and I've been settled in Germany since. So it's been really interesting to carry different market knowledges and, and, and sort of cross exchange and see where that can go. In terms of my background, I've held a few different roles in different sectors. I started in hospitality and that was really wonderful in Canada. And, and, uh, and then I went on to banking and uh, hit the last uh, global crunch right in the smack middle of it as I was working my way up. I did leave in good terms and then learned a lot from that. And then I joined the Clinton Affiliates cohort with Frank Justra. And then I moved to Malaysia, did quite a bit of work in Asia as well. So there I got my first taste of working with government-linked agencies and the broad scope work of national public impact and then started to consult. And now I find myself in Germany largely advocating sustainability, especially in the social and governance categories. I work very much so with companies that want to transform themselves from within and create links for them to do that. So that's that's in just a high level of what I do. So please tell us, why do you do what you do? Oh gosh, because I have a dying urge to change something. I mean, what I do is really interesting as brand integrity requires a crossover of fields and an ability to understand you know, what agility can actually do in, in these situations. Uh, we're in a crisis time right now. So what I've always tried to do is build proactive measures in an organization that will sustain jolts like this. And when you look back at your life, was there any specific turning points that led to what you do today? Oh, massive. I mean, I think I've had a few turning points, but it has very much to do with my transition through life, moving to Canada as an immigrant, um, as a PR, and then coming back to Asia and repatriating as a foreign trained Asian, Southeast Asian talent, and finding that, yeah, that continuity in my career. So 
the big jarring point, I think the big point that changed me was probably the realization that I offer a unique perspective and I always will. And if I don't insert that value into everything I do through whatever resources I have, then that opinion and perspective will never be heard. So we need more perspectives for diversity to actually work. And uh, you talked before about the current crisis. Mm -hmm. So what's your thoughts on that? In, in what aspect? What do you anticipate will be, which direction things might be going and how to deal? Hmm. Well, I, I work with quite a different array of people. On one hand, I work with funds and folks that are venture folks. And I think there's a big change in all these, these industries that have the ability to see a pattern or a wave, you know, and, and money is one of the easiest. And the other side of my pond is folks that are in the startup industry and burgeoning tech and And largely what I do is build in the human capital structures and what that can mean in the future. So for my field of work, it's still a lot of, you know, to be determined because we have different pockets for talent that don't really fit with each other right now. There's this talk about, you know, on-demand talent going up and um, companies finding new ways to, to support that IP attrition. But I think everyone's figuring out how to sustain people. So it, it's difficult at the moment. Some things that have changed for us I can share is that I've had to become a lot more emphatic in a different way. I've always tried to be emphatic rather than sym sympathetic about, about someone's you know situation and how they commit to their self-progress or their professionalism. But now there's a lot of a need to just connect with people and give them what they need and give them what they want. And if it's attention, if it's just listening to difficulties that are very personal, a boss now or a leader now, whatever it is, a team player now has to become even more human now. Um, that's something that I've realized. So it's, it's difficult when you own your own effort, you, you have to make more time for that now. So, you know, um, long gone, I think are the structures where, We used to all clock in, uh, put on a hat and then clock out. And, and now you really have to face the reality that you're, you're responsible in a way for a person's state of mind, even more so than you ever were before. And so I, I've had to change the way I ask questions. I've had to change the way I approach vulnerability. I do see some scary sort of agency-like trends. I mean, I worked with a ton of agencies myself, never in their shoes, but working with them, of course. And I think a lot of skewing of, you know, solution thinking, you know, if you address vulnerability, you'll address it all. If you address diversity, you'll address it all. And those kind of thoughts are, are a little bit misleading as well. So I, I find a lot of our teammates are searching for that one word solution for themselves too, to, to sort of see the end, you know, the light at the end of the tunnel. But then at the end of the day, they're, what they need is a team that works with them in reality. And that's, that's a lot different. So, yeah. Okay. And so do you think the current crisis will uh, pose a chance that there will be bigger change towards what you've just said? I think so. I think so. I think those who those those who have resilience will probably see it through in a different way. It's just a matter of what are the counterweights of our systems these days. So if you know if we're working with the same structures we worked with before, 
uh, and we're resilient through that, that's good too, because those were the structures before and you have all these new structures, new business models, new sustainable uh, community structures and funding structures that are trying to come through and prove itself. I think it, it just is a matter of all sides of the perspective being as resilient as possible. So it's, it, we will come through if we are resilient and methodical and maybe a little bit slower and a little less satisfied with our returns, our immediate returns. Everything is, is not sustainable on just immediate dopamine or, you know, immediate gratification. And so those things have to be worked in and worked into an SOP and, and stuff like that. So I think these are the, like the micro methods that everyone needs to look at. There's a lot of talk, but it's really hard to actually do it. I've noticed. Yeah. Okay. And from your experience uh, from the last two months with the companies that you work, do you mm -hmm. have the impression that most companies are resilient or do you see that it's very problematic what's happening right now for many companies? What's your impression? I mean, it depends. It's very industry specific and very sector specific. So it really depends. On one hand, if I pick, let's say, a social development goal and cut across the private to for-profit, uh, you know, to not-profit, to social sector and see what's being done, there's a lot of lack of clarity in a sense. You see on one hand, jobs still being posted up for positions, therefore showing that the companies are actually still keeping those, those, those pathways through. But a lot of the companies we work with, they are not exactly very open to giving announcements at the moment as well. So, you know, a lot of PR work is being reshuffled and all the initial hopes that a lot of these entities had are not exactly working in the way, you know, people want. There's still so much being done. That's the truth. There's so much going on, but a lot of people are not sure. A lot of organizations are not sure how to communicate those priorities into the future. So, I mean, it depends if you're, if you're Adidas and you received, you know, the stipend that they did right now, the funding that they did right now and what they're doing, and you're so clear and you had a, already a very clear, dedicated move into the conservation work and what they were doing, uh, then it was, then it's easier for them. They're going to probably show more traction and more resilience because they already were on the same purpose. But companies that are finding that now are probably getting really jolted, you know, so And what I find is not a lot of people want to come out with stories. So I have to pull it out even more, say, hey, talk about your environmental work, talk about the emissions. Um, and the pushback right now is, but why would I do that? There's, you know, we have to address the job loss. We have to address other PR stories and brand stories that are more important. And, it, you know, and it comes back to basically allowing your colleagues to do what they do and trusting them. And maybe if, if there's cross-field anxiety from, you know, HR to front-end sales, then those anxiety points have to be maybe also just aired out a little bit more. So there's a lot of hesitation is what I'm seeing, a lot of hesitation that's unnecessary. And then I find out that it's largely because of just a lack of trust or a lack of prioritization or, you know, just people not finding the way to the end of the tunnel. Um, And some folks are looking at new careers, trying to, but they're unsure, you know. So you've got a lot, of, a lot of leaders that have not had their ability, their chance to really truly lead who are frustrated and are pushing into looking left and right and losing their own sense of purpose. It's, it's pretty debilitating, I think. A lot of people feel like they can't do a lot. So 
that's tough. Yeah. Since you just talked about purpose, what do you think, how important is purpose right now during this crisis and in general? Huge, huge. It, it is It is unfortunate that we need stress and pressure and scarcity to make us innovate and create. It is unfortunate as a, as a human species that it always has to, you know, we always have to get a little bit of this amount of stress for us to actually produce something. So I think for those who were already on that path of adjusting themselves and committing themselves to something greater than, you know, monetary instruments or social capital recognition or all these other things that don't really give you uh, resilience uh, for your own career, your own charge, however long you're blessed to stay on this planet. I think for those who started that, life is probably a little bit more palatable right now. And they probably know how to work with within that context when they look at their colleagues left and right and they know how to co-coach and, and you know, bring that person on and, and say, hey, I was doing these things. I was writing a journal every morning. I was I joined the 5 a.m. club. I, I I did all these things around my life so that I could uphold my purpose. And I didn't know my purpose for a long time. And I did this, 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 this to get it clear. That kind of soft skill, that ability to look inward and outward and be accepting of where you are is helping a lot with the people that went down that path and the teams that went down that path. But the teams that didn't go down that path, it's a shock. I see teams that I will, we will try to work with again and again, and they go back to the same thing. Oh my God, I can't believe this is happening. <laughs> so, you know, it's still, but it just, it just takes time. So those who've been practicing on purpose, they understand, you know, they would see the value of a target picture, it's a simple format that shows why, when, what, how, you know, and where are you in that? And, and when you tell them, okay, now let's take this tool which is a very simple canvas tool and then use it for another purpose of mapping maybe a flow in a supply chain or uh, mapping a gap between cross-sectoral relationships. They're ready to invest more of their acumen and even provide opinion that is maybe they're not too sure of, but they have a hunch. So there's more intuitive ability with the people that have gone down that route. Anybody who's basically had any personal coach that talks about purpose or they've done some company-wide programs or training, they're a lot more susceptible to allowing their skill and their intuition, which is their personal ability, their soft skill and their aptitudes to actually flourish and take them further. Well, those that have not, it's really a tough time. So a lot of empathy, a lot of how-tos, simple steps, you know, it, I did this and I failed, a lot of that kind of sharing. Okay. And do you think that now this crisis might be an opportunity that the topic of purpose becomes a bigger role in companies and maybe even in the economy? Oh, definitely. Definitely. You know, you see ESG funds, for example, bond indexes coming up with even more clarity now. We've seen some success happen in a lot of countries, but uh, now... I think more than ever, people are looking from all angles. If, if you're an investor or you're a issuer or you're a startup that is working with a fund that has um, an acceleration fund for you, everyone is now starting to become maybe a little bit more interested in benchmarks, you know, like ESGs, like uh, responsible investing or social development goals. Now people, I think, 
have the opportunity to take a deeper look. The unfortunate thing, though, is a lot of these frameworks that we have out there, when you overlay them, it becomes extremely convoluted again in the in the world of you know sustainability and impact. And there's not a lot of people from other fields outside, like communications or PR or branding that are crossbred like myself that come in and do a lot of work to clarify that. So while there is interest, the genuine talent that want to come out and do something different like yourself, you know, find themselves still asking the same questions again, again, and again, why does this framework matter? Is, are the decisions we are making based on a lack of clarity of multiple frameworks actually going in the right direction? Or am I doing the same thing I did before when I had all the security of my career, for example, before COVID-19, you know? So some people are, are pressing on for higher personal standards, individual thought, and, and some people are not. And perhaps we need I do see a need for a lot more candid conversation. If you don't understand something, just say you don't, you know? <laughs> I hate being the person that always does that. <laughs> I find myself alone and, and, I, and I find, oh no, I just put up the vulnerable hat. And, and, and then, you know, I'm also representing a very different voice most of the time. So all this kind of stuff, I think, has to stop in the way we interact about things. While there is interest, there's still not much clarity. Okay. And please tell us, is actually purpose part of your work that you also offer? Or is it a thing that you have clarity about yourself and your company and in indirectly becomes part of your work? I think... It's, it's indirectly part of my work, but it's always been there. I've been in CSR since 2007, 2006. So I've been working in, in you know, corporate governance, CSR qualifiers, running campaigns, doing all sorts of galvanizing, and then using that for the post-rebranding after restructuring. You know, I was a greening ambassador. I started a bunch of SOPs on my own at that time, which has survived all these years and, and earned... Uh, the company awards and, and recognition from industry players and stuff like that. But I remember the grassroots of it. I remember when I started it and I remember the human human fight against it when I said, let's not have styrofoam cups, let's have paper cups. And everyone went, why? It's going to burn my hand, you know? And in Canada, uh, everyone wanted hotter drinks. And I said, why? It's a small chain. And I found myself at a very early age leading upwards, but having to use negative marketing, having to use fear and having to use all sorts of awful storylines to make people change and I thought gosh this is terrible <laughs> and then I moved to working with um, a bunch of agencies as a public fund owner and running talent strategy for countries so and then they came to pitch to me instead and I was like okay let's put all these agencies together and see what they do actual you know return on value rather than ROA and, and advertising and, and all these metrics that they use didn't matter to me I just thought they were all just dopamine boosters that don't really give me a quality uh, database that I can work with because the kind of people I was looking for were a different echelon of, of people. I was looking for people that have resilience, uh, not just a global career, <laughs> you know, and have something unique to offer. So throughout my career, Purpose has been a very much a pointing guard of where things should go. It's been maybe easier for me in some ways to, to understand my purpose because I've had to be... I was born mixed uh, heritage. I was always, you know, positioned as such. I was always having to compete to prove uh, a lot of uh, capabilities. Uh, at least I felt so. And so 
for me, the purpose, number one, was always to, you know, do what I thought was a better standard than the status quo. And I've never thought that the status quo was ever good enough because I came from, come from a medical family and we all always just sort of very humbly say, no matter what it is that you do, humankind seems to also, you know, just move at one step at a time. But sometimes we move in the wrong step. So for me, purpose is, it was never called purpose in my household, but it was called, you better do something (laughs) that is beyond just the norm, know what you represent. So for me, it's been part of my career, but for other people, it's perhaps not, you know, and I I do sometimes wish I had a different purpose, for example, saving turtles, you know, (laughs) that was not related to my skin color or my representation of a minority voice, or I do wish I could flip between them. But what I found out with with adult life is you can't do it all (laughs) at the same time. (laughs) Yeah. You talked about the status quo and challenging the status quo. So which paradigms do you think need to be challenged in your field of expertise in the world? At the moment, before I was really advocating, before this crisis, I was really advocating for uh, strong legacy brands that hold up a, a cultural identity to look at themselves deeper in their corporate governance and their CSR. You know, so I, I typically pick up annual reports go to shareholder meetings as an investor myself, pull up a bunch of friends who are in that field, talk about certain things that, hey, could be bettered. And then if there is something that we can improve, we will improve. So before it was always about CHROs picking up a better role. I mean, because I've always worked in the employer branding stance, right? I mean, 10 years ago, 12 years ago, you know, it was different. And I guess because my career started in transformation, I'm always looking for when that earthquake's going to happen. <laughs> and, and do we have a robust enough identity that will bring us together? You know, so at the moment now, that focus of like, okay, let's get, you know, companies, uh, comms and HR to work together better with their strategy team, uh, build those structures in. Now it's become a desperate run for human capital understanding. And that's, that's really difficult because a lot of companies don't want to expose those things at the moment because they're not sure what they want to do. So I don't know when those doors are going to really open, but I suspect I really have to start to focus on recruitment firms and what is happening in talent as well. And then probably delve a little bit more into labor laws and how things are working there. So it's, it's a lot of now putting different generational perspectives in a room, uh, getting everyone excited about a singular point and just going that way. Otherwise, there's not going to be much, much help with anything. And, and I think a lot of markets right now, if you look at the V curve that we all, ex- Washington is expecting <laughs> to return, it's not going to return. It's, if you don't watch uh, job attrition next to unemployment, for example, if companies are still pushing out their best assets every two, three years, uh, every five years, how are you going to build anything for the future? Because that big white space is still there. That's where the new business models are and that's where the money is. So I tell people 15 business models that I could do in my little think, uh, do tank, but do I do it under my brand? No, not necessarily. Uh, I do it under other brands. I help other brands 
should I join a fund? Sure. But it will take me time to probably figure out if they're actually of the same value spectrum as well. So I think human capital is a topic we have to get into collectively, everyone in impact, because if you can't sustain this big flux that we're having right now, and if you don't know what the MNCs are talking about when they mean human capital, or what the SMEs talk about when they mean human capital, or what the solopreneur talks about, then we're going to miss each other. Again, it comes back to that, you know, crisis caused empathy. So this has to be raw. And it's it's unfortunate when sometimes you bring up the word human capital and people say, I don't really want to talk about it. (laughs) I was dealing with it until that's fully done. We can open up that conversation. And I'm like, being part of the banking industry before during the, the other crisis, like not much has changed. So why would it, why would you change now? You know, and, and if you're uncomfortable to talk about it, you're uncomfortable to talk about it. But questions like are our companies or our organizations doing good exit interviews? Are they still understanding people's personal goals? So are they building personal purpose plans? Do they want to know those things, right? Uh, do they want to know that their employees are, looking for jobs on the side and they're just sticking around with this job now because they have to, what can you do more to, to give them more value, to make them feel more valuable, you know, things like that. So I think human capital is, is huge and it's just the beginning of the numbers that we see. And that's really, really sad and really unfortunate because the, the other worry I have is the recovery rate. No one's talking about recovery rate in this talent space, which is, Let's face it, it's one leg in, in the entire organization. It's, peop- you know, it's people that hold everything up. But I don't see a lot of content coming out about how they're going to recover. One question that came up now, because you talk much about human capital. Mm-hmm. A lot of people think that they have a calling. Mm-hmm. And... Uh, so my question is, I really always think about humanity and mm-hmm. I have this idea of, I have this impression that maybe humanity has a calling mm-hmm. as such. We as mm-hmm. humanity, not just we as, as individuals. Mm-hmm. And now we are in, this, in a crisis. It might get even severe, not the pandemic, but the economic crisis. So if humanity had a calling, what do you think it would be? To help your brother and sister, that's it. To just do. If you see someone that needs anything, just do it. That's that's what we need. It's it's those basic inclinations to just push, present yourself as a as a human, you know, fellow human person living through the difficulties of life and say, look, I want to give you a hand, you know, and, and being able to just also take the rejection of maybe someone who's not as secure to receive that help from you at that time. But you have to, you have to just keep doing that. And I think we've made our systems and our businesses and everything we do so complicated that we forget that just sort of turning around and saying, Hey, what do you need? And I can give you a connection or something like that. So a lot more of that, if it comes back, that would be a lot better I don't think I don't think picking thematic elements and pushing people to share or doing anything right now is, is a good idea. It's more I'm here for you. This is what I have. And so if we talk about companies, a lot more transparency would be nice, you know, less of 
packaged collaterals that people like me are very good at doing, but we know where the real value is and isn't. And so it's, it's a lot of shifts in that way. I mean, in one way that we're doing it is instead of talking about tasks with some colleagues or the youth board, for example, we just do it right then and there. And that show of that I'm here for you and even though I don't see you and I'm not in an office with you, I don't get to be there with you, uh, come with me in time, you know, come with me in the existence uh, that we have. And, and let's be just very humbly appreciative that we can be here together. And I, I really try to, to be very granular about that. And, and I think as a female, it's also easier maybe in some ways to be more caring but it's, 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 I need to do more of it. That's what I've learned now. And that's, that's hard on a lot of people. So one thing I've seen is people can't keep it up, but maybe, maybe together we can, you know, so who knows? <laughs> okay. Yeah. And I mean, now we have as operating system in the economy that is mostly profit oriented. So mm -hmm. What do you think uh, needs to happen that we get towards an economy that is more oriented towards that we care for each other? I think, um, I think again, it's, it's creating a buffet of options that people can, can, human beings can engage in, right? As human beings first. And we, The world created these options, for example, in tech media uh, with Facebook and social channels and so on. I was one, one of the first few people who, I, although I used social channels to generate leads, I never used emotional marketing as a system. I never believed in it because I, came, I come from a family of, of medical professionals. And if I were to do that, I would undo the work of all the neuroscientists and the neurosurgeons in my family and, and all of those who were fighting for Ayurvedic treatment, you know, cannabinoid treatment to psychedelic treatment uh, versus uh, typical um, pharma-driven agendas. And I've been part of that pharma driven agenda since I was a child. I used to do the medication uh, stock and I used to always ask questions like, why this medicine versus this? What's, this has kidney failure as a side effect. Why are we giving it to the world, mommy? You know? And that was a very irritating kid. So I think, I mean, if we don't become clearer, essentially, we're not giving people options. We're doing the same thing again and again. It's, it's a real struggle. For us with TechUp, we want to turn 70-30 into our contributions to youth to talent development, to youth talent development. And that doesn't mean we're, we're giving up on the Gen Xers or the baby boomers or anybody else. No, that's not the point. We just have to reconfigure how we work and we want more peer-to-peer -peer sponsorship rather than just mentoring. Worked with quite a bit of mentoring entities and we find that not to be our business. If we were interested in marginal earnings with you know IP sharing and all this kind of stuff, then maybe that would be our business, but we didn't want to do that. So there's nuances that have to shift with our rule. Uh, so 70% going into the development of that. And that's a new profit structure, but it was before a personal home savings structure, you know, keep spend 70% of your income, live a certain level of life, and then spend that on, you know, education and, and self enrichment as a, as a human being to improve your skills and stuff. And 30% save it. And that was an old, old rule. But now I see a lot of event entities, also taking this approach of just directly giving profits back. For us, the challenge will be, of course, then eventually to be able to actually share our financials openly 
like some funds do it and, and, you know, they use different metric quantifiers, but we should be able to at least show that as, as some way, even though we're very small, how do we actually do it? So if we don't improve on these transparent ways of building business models, and if we don't shorten the learning, you know, for people to be able to do that, then that's going to be really difficult because every cohort you join, there's an agenda. Swimming through that agenda and getting that basic level of learning is insane. Uh, you know, if you join, if you just walk down all all the ventures in Palo Alto alone, you'll be gobsmacked, and at the end, you feel incapable, <laughs> confused. <laughs> you know, the same things again. It's just a bad vicious cycle. So, I really want to see a lot more companies put up, like you know, maybe a letter, an annual letter from the owner saying, "This is why we're doing this. This is what we're doing," and. We are moving this amount of money to this, or we, we're trying this business model out. Uh, if you'd like the idea, come join us. Here's, here's, here's your profit margins. Here's mine. Here's, you know, something to that point. Otherwise, the distress is going to continue. At least that's what we're learning with our youth board. There's huge distrust, and that's directly becoming mental health issues and directly becoming dependencies on our medical systems. So, I, I, I think transparency gives people hope. Yeah, my final question is really about your legacy. And mm -hmm. uh, basically, what, what impact do you want to, if you look back to your life from that perspective, what, what impact would you have had, like to have had on humanity? I wish I didn't play the game so much and help people more. Put my hand on their shoulders while I could, I could have a coffee with them. You know, I, I, I do wish I connected more authentically and I'm a pretty authentic person if there is a barometer, but I do wish, especially because I come from a field where I package stories for a group. Gosh, what is it all worth now? You know, if you, if you, if you didn't strip that, There was always these rules of the game and, and so much time got wasted into all of that, you know. And when I ended up becoming a VP anyways of a little company, but attached to very big pockets and, and a big conglomerate and the mobile telecom auctioning industry, which we call mobile virtual network operators or aggregators, you know. So the amount of knowledge I had was tremendous. And I do question myself, what did I do with it? And I didn't really... I didn't offer any transparency. It was actually a lot of times my job to hide that. And uh, that's something that I really now look at it and think, geez, I could run a day sprint and explain all these different strategies and formats to, to, to tell only, to expose only this much in the communication pipeline because we assume <laughs> we're going to have this control. <laughs> and then, <clears throat> and then suddenly, you know, now we're in a situation where does it really matter You know, because if you look at capitalism, if you stimulate and you are open, you will get your front runners anyways, you know, and they will build little companies and little families and little, you know, pockets of good and all of that jazz. I, I really now regret that. Yeah. But it's, it's a common thing I hear from a lot of people. A yeah. lot of us sitting in this 
positions uh, who have had senior leadership also now, of course, question how we spent our time. You know, I was always in CSR, always in impact, always in sustainability. So at least I have some some brownie badges. But at the same time, I'm telling myself it's, it's not fair to myself to hold on to those. I, on one hand, I say I have an innate purpose to represent a marginalized uh, perspective in my own way, my own little, little way then what did I do to allow that, you know? So, yeah, I, I think a, a lot more consciousness of how I spend my time. And maybe for me, it's going to be a little bit more taking that extra time early in the day to figure out ooh, how am I going to connect on a human level today? Am I going to be more patient? Am I going to be more, what's my theme? What, what's, what's the terminal value about myself I'm going to change today? You know, that's something I'm trying out. And it's been nice been nice been nice to end days and look back and think oh geez maybe i should have exercised this value more earlier well thank you very much thank you for this interesting conversation and likewise uh, yeah so i wish you a good day thank you for staying tuned for this edition of challenging paradigm x if you like this episode with Poonam Balan, feel free to share it with your community so Poonam's message gets spread even further. Also, please hit subscribe and I'd be really glad if you rate and review my podcast. You can also support this podcast through Patreon. If you have any questions or comments, feel free to contact me. Next week, we're up with another edition of Challenging Paradigm X. So until then, I wish you a great week and say ciao.